Welcome to the Christine Means Business Podcast. My name is Christine Hansen and I'm a business consultant helping entrepreneurs to scale their business without working more through wonderful team management, leadership and strategy. Together with fellow experts or my own, this podcast is designed to share the most actionable tips, pieces of wisdom and anecdotes that will help you to avoid any mistakes that will cost you time or money to grow your business. It is my absolute joy to share that knowledge with you to help you for your ultimate success. You will get a new episode every two weeks and there's loads of free materials on my website christinemeansbusiness.com. So go ahead and check that out and I'm looking forward to hear your feedback and please don't forget to give us a couple of stars if you enjoy what you've been hearing on your podcasting platforms. And without further ado, let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this brand new episode of Christine Means Business. And today I am not on my own, but I have a lovely episode with Trevor Oldham today. And he has a really interesting bio. So I'm going to read that to you and then I'm going to make a little comment about that. So have so stay tuned because I have a really there's one thing that I was like, eh, I want to dive in. And I didn't tell him this before, so <laughs> <laughs> No, don't be scared though. So Trevor is a serial entrepreneur and a walking example that you can run a business regardless of your age. His most recent venture, Podcasting You, works with successful individuals to get them booked on podcasts. Prior to Podcasting You, Trevor started a motivational company that grew to over 600,000 followers in its first year and a t-shirt company, Trevor James Products, that provided clean water to those in developing countries. So obviously there's so much to say about this, so many questions to ask, but the first thing that I wanted to hint out was regardless of your age, why why is that sentence in there? Especially for those of you who are not seeing video, but head over to YouTube if you want to actually see us live or if you want to see us talking to each other. But why is that sentence in your bio? I like to put that sentence in there because right now I'm a 23-year-old entrepreneur and I find that most young people don't think that they can go out there and start a business. And going through college, I started three different businesses. I could say a little bit of a fourth one early on that was didn't end up going, going so well, so that's why I don't include it. But I really like to motivate people to say it doesn't really matter of your age, especially the young entrepreneurs out there that if there are in college, they might think, hey, I can't go out there and start a business. I don't have enough time. And I like to debunk that myth. When I was in college, I ended up transferring halfway through. I ended up taking six courses in a semester. I had an internship and I was still able to build my businesses. So I really like to debunk that myth that you know, people don't have enough time. I think right now we have more than enough time, especially given the current climate and everything that's been going on. You know, I don't really have anything to worry about. I don't have like a family that's holding me back or any of that sort of thing. So I think really young, especially starting as a young entrepreneur, there's so much time. And plus, if you fail, there's really not that much downside. That's true. That's exactly it. Especially if you, you know, especially if you are still in college and you kind of have you're living paid for, you know, in a way, or you have scholarships or, you know, it's not an additional cost to your business necessarily. And that is why I want to make the link because a lot of us do know that running a business, especially in the beginning can be really expensive when it comes to trial and error. But I would also argue 
if you do not have access to finances like that, you need to get creative and you need to bootstrap. And so from what mm. I can tell, you've been doing just that and your company have been really successful. So before we go straight into the podcasting you and how you have people getting on podcasts, what are some maybe I don't want to say techniques, but maybe some practices that you have seen where maybe more seasoned or older people have invested a lot of money in their business that you managed to do without a lot of expenses because you just bootstrapped it or because you have a system in place. What are some of these things where you'd say, hey, actually, why don't you try this and this in order to say finances? Because funny enough, a lot of people, even if they have some finances, they never have enough. <laughs> so <laughs> what are some of the things that you find or that you want to try and tell someone who, who is you know, young and just like, oh, I think I need to first get a job and have some savings before I start my own business. What were some things, were some hacks where you'd say, hey, actually this and this and this can save you tons of money? I think the biggest thing for me was freelancing in the beginning. That's what really got me started into podcasting you. And with freelancing, you can try out a bunch of different things. And the site I used was Upwork. Mm -hmm. I started writing blogs for people, uh, editing their podcasts. Then I got, I got started into getting people booked on podcasts, which is you know now the business that I run. And with that, you know, I started off small, maybe charging $20 an hour and then grew it up to you know, $75 an hour. But that really allowed me to see what I do want to do and what I don't want to do. Let's say if I thought, oh, I want to do podcast editing full time, you know, it's not something I really enjoy, but it paid, you know, money at that time. I like writing blog posts, but if I go out and it could take me five hours to write a blog post, so I might only get paid a hundred dollars. Whereas in my podcast new business, I could probably get paid a hundred dollars for getting a client on a show within 20 minutes or so. So I found out my time is spent more valuable on podcasting you. It generates more income and in a quicker capacity. It's not totally dependent on me, I think that really gives someone the opportunity to go out there and just try out different things. And then plus, it allows you to get client testimonials, which I found to be very, very beneficial to my business. You know, the, probably the first five to 10 clients I got were straight from Upwork. And from there, you know, it really just allowed me to grow my business and then figure out what I want to do. So that way, I didn't have to have a website up there. I didn't even have any, any that came down the road. So anyone that's out there like, oh, I need to go out and create a website right now. You really don't have to if you just put yourself out there freelancing and it's not easy. I want to say it's easy in the beginning where you can go on, apply for a job and you get accepted. It's going to take some time. I think it really took me a good three to four months to get a job that was that would be paying well, but it is certainly possible. So anyone that's interested in starting their own business, I recommend trying that freelance, trying freelancing out first and then trying to really see what works for you, what you like and what you don't like. Because sometimes what you think you might like to do isn't exactly what you're going to do. Like when I when I was doing podcast editing, I liked it, but I was like, I don't want to do this, you know, 40 hours a week, just sitting there listening to someone's show, editing, editing everything out. So it really allowed me to, to figure out what I want to do. So anyone that's, you know, strapped for cash, I would say that's probably the best way to go about it. Whether, you know, you're 20, 30 or 40, there's always, you know, there's always jobs that are out there and it really allows you to get your foot in the door. And if someone says, I don't, I don't think I have any skills, I guarantee you there's some skill out there on Upwork, you know, between the millions of jobs where someone would be more than happy to take you, to pay you to get, get it off the plate, mm -hmm. even if it's creating social media posts. You know, someone could pay you $15, $20 an hour and you could create four to five posts a week for them and use a simple tool like Canva that has pre-designed posts. So you really just, and it's a good learning opportunity as well. And again, just to figure out what you want, there's, there's basically no costs set up to start applying yeah. for jobs. So I, that's probably what I would recommend to anyone that's strapped for cash. And that's really what I did to really grow the company that I, that I run now. 
Yeah. And even, I mean, the audience that we're talking to, they obviously, they already have their business. So they do have, you know, a coaching practice and they're taking it online. So it's maybe not about figuring out what they want to do. But I would say one thing that, you know, that we need to get used to very, a lot of us are academically challenged in a way that we are used to academic writing is blog posting. You don't write it like a university Mm -hmm. essay or college essay. So it would be good, you know, because you have people looking for someone to write blogs. If you want to practice that, then why not do that in, you know, exchange for a fee where Upwork could literally help. And otherwise, it's really interesting for research on topics too, because if you Mm -hmm. have a look at who is looking for what kind of topics, it might inspire you as well. Plus, obviously, if you're looking for freelancers, (laughs) Upwork is also a great tool to use. But I do find it's really a good tool, as you're saying right now, to practice something and get paid for it in the end, actually, to figure out, what you want to do, or even if you're saying, look, I don't, I already know I don't want to do this, but just to know what you're going to ask from someone when you hire them, I do think this is an interesting approach that isn't making you lose money because you have to do it yourself first. I mean, I started out and I did everything myself first and learned all this stuff. I do have to say that I'm interested in this stuff. So it was fun. I also know that clients of mine really don't, but I do argue that it is worth it. And if you can, you know, practice it with other people's tools as well and get paid, why not? So that would be one lesson that I think is already well taken on here. The second one that I really want to dive into right now is that obviously I have a lot of people who want to get more out there. So they've started their business coaching, uh, their business or their health practice or their online wellness coaching or life coaching practice online. And, you know, I always preach that you first have to know who you are, then you need to know your numbers and your packages, and then your email, your content creation. And then the last part of the impact with integrity method is PR. And podcasting for me is a huge step because I find when people listen to you, they get to know you much quicker, the no like trust factor is just shorter and you can gauge other people's audiences. So what you run a successful company now with a team, I reckon, who are reaching mm-hmm. out to get people on podcasts. So if I have someone listening right now, and I actually know that in the mastermind I'm running at the moment, a lot of them are a little bit frustrated because they reach out and it's crickets. So mm-hmm. what are some troubleshoots maybe that you have in store where you're saying, okay, these are the typical mistakes I see that people do. And what are some of the things that you find work very well? I find the biggest mistake, especially someone that's new, is trying to get onto the biggest podcasts in their space. Especially in your certain niche, you probably know the top names in your space. And usually those top names, a good majority of them will be running a podcast. And people think, even if they've never been on a show, I can go on their show. And that's going to be really hard if you've never been on a podcast and you want to go on, say, the largest show in your niche. So what we do with clients, if they come to us and they've never been on a show, we basically have our shows on a scale of you know, small, medium, and large, where a small show might be a show that got started you know, a few months ago. And that's where we would want to place those clients who haven't been on really any shows yet to allow them to get some practice. Plus, once you're on some shows, then you can go back to your podcast pitch and then you can include them to show relevant interviews that you've done. If you're a podcast host that 
you know, has 500 reviews, a thousand reviews, are you going to want, you're probably not going to want to have someone on if they've never had a podcast interview before, no matter how good their story is. So it allows them to see and get to know you and see that you have these podcast interviews done in the past. And then two, another one we see is not targeting the right audience. And again, this goes back to the large shows. We have clients come to us and they want to be on the largest shows out there in the space. So let's say a client come to, comes to us and they want to be on the Joe Rogan show. And I look at them and I'm like, it's totally not a fit for what, you know, what he's talking about and the guests he has on the show, they just want to be on that show. And mm. like, you have to really work with them to figure out their target audience. And what I like to say is even if a podcast gets a hundred downloads, picture if you were in a room with a hundred people exactly. and you were speaking to them and they were your target audience, it's going to be way more impactful than a show that has 5,000 listeners, but only maybe five people resonate with your message. So honing in on that target audience and then Two, there's three, I guess just to say, the tool that I recommend using is Listen Notes, and anyone can really go out and use it. And using Listen Notes, you can search the keyword by name. So like, let's say you're a self-development coach, you can type in self-development, and you can see all the relevant podcasts. So there's going to be a lot on there. And then the cool thing about Listen Notes, what our team really did to build out our databases, you can purchase a file of all the shows, and then you can go through one by one. It take, might take a little bit of time, but might take, you know, I believe it took us like 40 hours to build out like a database, but if you just spend it over a month, you're going to have 100, 200 shows. And then plus you can go through and say, all right, these are the large shows. These shows have 100 plus reviews. These are my medium sized shows. They have 50 reviews. These are my small shows that have, you know, 10 plus reviews. All right, I haven't been on any podcast before. Let me focus on these, get some of these small shows. Now mm -hmm. once I'm on some of these small shows, I'll move to these medium shows. And once I'm on the medium shows, you know, then you're able to piggy that back up to the large shows. So it's, it's starting small and then working your way up. It's not going for the largest shows in your niche. And that's usually what we see when people come to us that have been having trouble is some, I'm sure they have a great story, but some, if you just haven't been on a podcast interview before, it's going to be really hard to get on those top tier shows. Cause you could think they're probably getting pitched, you know, 50, hundred times a day where a smaller show that's just starting out, they probably don't have as many people pitching them. So your success rate of being able to get on those shows is probably going to be a little bit easier. Agreed. Agreed. And then I have another question um, because a lot of my mentees or my students in my mastermind group have, have very specific targets because they've been working with us. And so we taught them to choose a niche. And so they would be, for example, thyroid or hormones or Lyme disease or, you know, something like that or menopause, you know. So they very often go and look for those very targeted topics. And once they've reached out to all that are obviously their niche, then they haven't gotten an answer. They become, you know, very discouraged. What would you recommend to someone like that? I think sometimes when people go out and write their pitch to, to a host is they make it sort of all about themselves when they should be turning that into the benefit that the host audience is going to receive. So they might say, you know, I can talk about, you know, how to cure, not how to cure, but how to, you know, something to do with Lyme disease, you know, how to mm -hmm. expedite the recovery process mm -hmm. where you could turn that into saying, I can teach your audience that your audience can benefit by learning how they can expedite the recovery process. So instead of using words like I, me, we, you can turn it into like you and your, so you're always talking about their audience. Cause at the end of the day, that host, that's going to be their benefit is going to be their audience. And it's not, you're, you know, 
you're not coming on just to promote yourself. It's going to be a two way street. So you really want to make sure that that audience, that host's audience is going to be benefited. And that's what we really recommend is when we look at a pitch is if you're just talking about yourself, the host is going to be like, why do I really care? But if you say, <laughs> this is how I can benefit your audience or your audience, you know, then you're able to go in and write some talking points. And that's another thing that we find is a lot of people just, they talk too much about themselves. So if they <laughs> more go into the benefit to the audience, the host is going to be able to resonate more and be like, oh, we haven't talked about this certain topic. This person can come in and benefit our audience by talking about this. So just making that small little switch, if you're including talking points in your pitch, will do wonders. I agree. I agree. And maybe give even scenarios of how it can apply to that particular audience actually yes perfect so we are going to talk a little bit more in detail about your newest company and that is podcasting you and you told us already a little bit about some things that you make sure that your clients do you know with their profile and how they select podcasts or how you select podcasts to them but what does podcasting you actually look like what is the process that people will go through and how have you started building up and how have you started to get clients because it doesn't matter whether it's podcasting or whether it's coaching there's always different things we do in order to get a stream of clients to a new business. So I'm going to pick your brain on what you did in order to grow podcasting you. Well, certainly. So what we do for our clients today is we'll actually go out, we'll create a pitch for them, we'll create a media kit for them. And the way we do that is we have them fill out, it's basically like 20 questions or so. So we really like to go like a deep dive into who's your target audience? What do you love to talk about? Those sort of questions. So sometimes people might be like, oh, I didn't even realize I could talk about this certain topic. So it's yeah. really just trying to pull all the information out of the individual. And then additionally, we'll go through and we'll create that podcast database based on their pitch and their media kit of these targeted shows. And we'll go through and again, we'll rank them on a sort of small, medium and large scale. So if someone's never really been on a show, we'll really focus in on the small shows. And if they have been on a few, we can you know, go towards those medium shows. So it really just allows them to see all the shows within their specific niche and allows us to get a gauge of how many shows we'll be able to book them on. And then from there, once all those three items are created, someone from our team, one of our booking agents will go out and then start reaching out to the host. And then we like to sort of make that pitch customized to that certain host. Because even if, you know, if I'm going on, say, entrepreneur shows, you know, each one's going to be a little bit different than the other. So we like to make it a little customized to that show, maybe referencing a past episode, maybe, you know, referencing something in the show description, basically how I can benefit their audience. And I'd like to tie it into some just something centered around the show so our team will go out and then pitch the pitch the client and then usually hopefully we'll get a get a yes back from the host so our main goal is to save people time we found that you know anyone can go out there and get themselves booked on podcasts and it's not i don't want to say it's the hardest thing it's just more of a time consuming thing where it's it creating that pitch mm -hmm. and the media kit you know researching the shows and honestly the biggest thing is not so much the pitch in the media kit, it's just finding the correct shows to be on that. That's the one that takes the longest amount of time. If we spend five to 10 hours onboarding a client, probably an hour or two will be creating the pitch in the media kit and the rest will be spent researching shows and getting the correct shows. So that's the biggest emphasis we put on our clients is making sure that we're pitching them to the right shows. And then I guess going on and the way we've been able to grow our business is one, we do a great job with referrals and that's always nice to see. But then generating new business, we do cold email outreaches, and that's pretty much been the biggest benefactor. And the way we do that is we go, we'll target a certain niche. Like let's say like right now, 
you know, our certain niches, real estate investors, we'll pull mm -hmm. us together of all the real estate investor shows we have on our database. And then I'll have a virtual assistant reach out to them and say, Hey, you know, we saw that you were on this podcast. Our company helps other real estate investors get booked on podcasts. This is what we do for you. This is how we can help you. You know, here's a link to my calendar. Here's a link to our website. And then here's a case study. And then we just send that off. And then usually when we send that off, we'll send off probably usually a hundred per week. And then out of those hundred, we'll get about 10 calls scheduled. And then out of those 10 calls, we'll probably close three to four clients. So mm -hmm. that's the way we found it to be beneficial. And it's just, I just felt as though going directly to the individual because we just know that they're already on podcasts. Obviously they were on there for a reason. So we basically yes. have our audience right there. And that's been, that's pretty much been the best way we've been marketing is doing that cold email outreach. And it's been pretty successful for us. I find that too, in terms of that, I don't necessarily do it myself for, for clients, but I have had the odd cold outreach to myself in terms of, well, obviously I've got you through cold outreach, but also um, a copywriter I'm working with at the moment was through cold email, emailing. So a lot of people say that that technique is dead and I really don't think so. Obviously, I think it depends on what kind of service mm -hmm. you're selling, right? Especially if I work with a lot of coaches who sell health or life coaching, obviously that will be really difficult to do. But um, for other people who just have a business or, you know, who do something different, who sell a service, I do think that it's a really, really good technique still, right? So, and for those, so for, for my audience rather, I would say, listen to this very carefully because it's really about, to me, this is something I outsource, like podcast outreach. If I am going to do a new podcasting tour, then I'm not going to do that myself because it's just, I know that it's going to drain me. It's not my energy flow. You know, I rather invest, you know, a couple of hundred or even thousands and get, you know, clients that way, have sure that I get new testimonials. I do have a lot of PR because of my previous business, but if I'm starting something incredibly new, this is the fastest way to get street cred, which is to me is PR. And so if you are new in your business, I think this is an alley that you should definitely proceed to investigate. And I was wondering if you have different tiers that people can work with you. Well, certainly. So what we do is we work with on tiers now. So something we actually just started implementing this month. So we work on sort of, you know, a silver package, a gold package, and then a platinum package. So like a silver might be, you know, some of those might be, we're targeting shows that have, you know, 10 to 50 reviews. Then that gold package is, you know, 50 to hundred reviews. And then platinum is hundred and up. Cause what we found in the past is we used to basically it would just be one single podcast package. It'd be 15 shows, 20, 25 shows. But some people would come to us and they haven't been booked on shows. So we'd focus on small shows. Some people come to us and been booked on these bigger shows. So we'd focus on the large and just put, and so like we, obviously we charge more for that platinum package because just, so it's about five times more work to get on a large show than it is yeah. a smaller show. So we found, you know, we're spending, you know, they're paying us the same amount of money, whether they're being on a small show or a large show, you know, we got to figure out a way to sort of create these podcast packages out there for our team. That's going to be beneficial because it's just a lot more work trying to get on these bigger shows. You know, a conversion rate on a small show might be 50%. We're on a large show. It might be 10%. So it's going to be more research, more pitching mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. So that's where we've started to work. And so 
something I, I wish we would have done sooner because we've taken on clients where we've worked with them to get on these large trials. I was like, wow, we definitely could have charged them more exactly. than what we were charging in the past. And I also argue that sometimes it was really not beneficial if you're on a large show very early. With mm -hmm. Sleep Like a Boss, I was on John Lee Dumas' Entrepreneur on Fire within two months of opening my business. And I wish I'd taken my time. It's not that it was a bad interview, but I would do it so much differently today. And also I was on So Money by Fanoush Tarabi. Those are really big, big, big shows, right? But it's I wasn't ready yet. So mm -hmm. even though it's fine. I'm not, you know, cringing in shame or anything. I could make so much more of it now. So I do think it's smart also to really know which client benefits from what. So I guess it takes a little bit of, you know, steering coaching of your end as well. But if you're listening, getting to the big shows quickly is not always the most beneficial way. I do find that you have much more interesting things to tell. The longer you are in business, the more clients you worked with, the more personal lessons you learned, the more you can be honest and genuine during the interviews and really give unique answers that are unique to your stories. So it is true that small in the beginning, I think works so, so much better. And I've got clients from really teeny tiny shows before so there's nothing to say that it's not beneficial or it's not something to frown upon for sure so you have been incredibly um uh helpful today already and if people want to reach out to you there's different ways to doing that and also um do how do people do reach out to you best. So there's different ways. I have your website, which is www.podcastingu.com. And how else can people get in touch with you? Sure. So podcasting you is going to be you know, our website. And then if anyone has any questions, whether it's related to entrepreneurship or podcasting, feel free to reach out to Trevor at podcastingyou.com. And I'll be happy to answer any questions they may have. Perfect. Do you also have a social media handle where people can stalk you? Sure. So the best one would probably be Instagram. So that's going to be at my full name, which is Trevor Oldham. Perfect. And Oldham is with an H. I'm just going to say that in case people get confused. But <laughs> you will have all of that in our show notes as well. And so do reach out to Trevor. This is really like a connecting platform too when you're listening and you're like, oh, I want to get know more about this, then please do reach out. And I find this is a phenomenal service, something that you should really consider doing because I'm really into outsourcing if it's draining your energy and if it's keeping you from actually working with people or being in your zone of genius. So Trevor, thank you so much. I'm really excited about how this business is going to grow. There were already so many amazing pieces of advice. I've took notes of a couple of things that I hadn't known yet <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, resources. So thank you so much for that. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of you and hearing more of you. And who knows, I probably reach out sure because <laughs> soon because I have a podcasting tour plant and I do not intend <laughs> of reaching out myself. So thanks so much for being here today. Perfect. Thank you. All right, and here is what I usually forget at the end of every episode. So first off, thank you so much for listening and taking the time to tune in. We really, really, really appreciate it. Now, don't forget that I've written a book with everything you need to know about growing and building a business online. It's called We Mean Business, the practical guide for creative entrepreneurs, coaches, and small businesses to build your brand and grow your business 
online. You can find it on Amazon, but also in other online bookstores and on my website. Also, please make sure that if you want to stalk me, you follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube or Twitter or Pinterest or TikTok. And if there was anything in this episode that you learned, that you found entertaining, that made you giggle, then I would be over the moon if you'd left us a five-star rating. These ratings go a long way for more people to tune in and make sure that you follow the podcast as well to share the love and to have more people find it. Thank you so much and we'll see you in two weeks time for a new episode.